Welcome to These Amazing Places. This is Adam here in the studio. Doug's not with me this week, but you will hear from him a little later on. And this is show number 56 for the week of May 18th, 2009. If you want to keep in contact with us or see what we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter. You can download any pictures that we've taken, which very much associate with our shows, on Flickr. We also have a voicemail line, which is 641 715 3900 extension 53056 and you can also email us podcast at theseamazingplaces.com and of course these things are all available on our website which gives you access to everything so you don't have to remember all those links Um, but if you ever have any questions or you want to interact with us that's the best way to contact us Uh, the biggest thing I want to say is especially on these last couple of episodes we've covered We have a lot of pictures available out there to kind of give you a physical sight of what we're talking about on the show. So this week we're doing our last part of our follow-up from the Ohio State Reformatory tour and uh, historical site that we've introduced. We don't have any more live audio tours of the actual facility for you, but we do have quite an interesting interview and perspective Uh, from a former prisoner who was there in 1989 at the Mansfield Reformatory. Uh, His name's Scott, and he's doing an interview with Doug, who was there in person with him. And so we'll hear from him and hear about his story. So stick with us. So before we play the interview, I just want to recap a little bit of what we've covered so far on the Ohio State Reformatory. First of all, if you want to listen to more information, including the Hollywood tours and the East Wing tour, you can listen back to shows number 15 and 16, and then also last week's show, which was show number 55. Basically, the Ohio State Reformatory or the Mansfield Reformatory uh, lies in Mansfield, Ohio, actually just north of downtown. Mansfield is about an hour's drive north of Columbus or about an hour and a half drive south of Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, they they do have a large airport there, although it's not a commercially run airport. So if you do fly and travel on your own, you can fly into it. It's actually uh, the Air National Guard has a base there, but they do allow for private airplanes to fly into it. Um, But if you're visiting and you want to check it out, it's not too far from the airport to be able to see this place. But the Reformatory uh, does offer tours. They have not opened um, fully yet. That happens on June 2nd. Uh, Also throughout the season, they are closed Mondays and Saturdays. Uh, But they have opened their Sunday tours. Uh, Those are usually held in the afternoon. But tours uh, generally are about $8 a person. If you go on one tour and you have a receipt, and once you're finished and you come back and you want to purchase another tour, you need a receipt to get a $5 uh, price on the next tour. And uh, that's what we did when we went, if you listen to our audio from uh, back on show 15 and 16. But it's definitely a unique historical, basically, facility right now because the state, uh, it's no longer a run prison. It is just a building at this point. And as we've mentioned before, a lot of movies have been filmed there and several music videos have been filmed there. And that's pretty much... One of the main reasons you may want to go there, unless you're interested in historical sites. We tend to try to cover historical things on the show, as you probably, if you are a listener, uh, that is something of of interest to both Doug and I. We really think that history has a unique story in itself. And this building is 
one of those places that you think, wow, this is just incredible how long this has been around. It's, you know, not too long ago, it was a real prison with people in it. Um, and so because we know someone that actually used to be a prisoner there, that's why we decided to cover an interview with him just to kind of finish off our series. So before we play the interview, I just wanted to give you a little uh, note here. And the main fact is, yes, we are a family-friendly podcast, and by all means, we completely make it completely family-friendly with no vulgar language or anything like that. But Scott does reference a couple of different things about prison life in uh, trading cigarettes and drugs and a couple of different references uh, that may not be pleasing to small children. So just kind of keep that in mind. Uh, this is really just to kind of give you a perspective of what the prisoner's life was at the Mansfield Reformatory. Um, but the good thing about the Scott's life is that he has turned his life around. He's no longer doing drugs. He's no longer doing all those things that he's mentioned. Um, but I will speak more to that after this interview of his perspective of the Mansfield Reformatory. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Entering into the prison, what do you remember when you came in? Well, I, re- it's, uh, I remember it distinctly, but in the same sense, it all happened so fast. It was like a whirlwind. Um, I was transported there with my brother and another guy that I knew from junior high school who was uh, convicted of killing his dad. And when we arrived there, um, we were placed in a big holding cell and then from there you know we went through a variety of things from being foamed and hosed down for, for crabs or lice um, then then you go to a barber chair they, sh- they completely shave your head um, they give you a uniform uh, people are yelling yelling at you you know fresh meat uh, you're going these to are uh, these are other people. inmates oh okay yelling. you can't see them you can hear them um, but they're in another area, but you, you know, like darkened cells or areas yeah. that you can't quite see, and it's, it's pretty scary because you don't know, you know, you hear stories of being locked up, you see a lot of TV, Hollywood stuff, and you think, you know, frankly, am I going to be raped? What's going to happen? Am I going to be killed? And, you know, there were days in prison that I wondered if I was going to come out alive. You know, you just wonder, because you see a lot of, a lot of bad things happen to, to people, and just that prison, um, being, being incarcerated in that setting, see, I make a distinction between jail and prison. Most people who have never been either one do not make that distinction. Right. My wife will say, "Locked up is locked up." Yeah, to me, there's a huge difference yeah. when I'm in jail than when I'm in prison. Um, but that prison life is really a world inside of a world. It, it's amazing. It's like a micro. Well, do you think that's because a lot of guys are locked up in there for a long period of time? Where a lot of times, if you I go think, into like a county jail, you're looking at guys that are in yeah. there for three months or less. Yeah, maybe. right. So. Well, the average day at the Lincoln County Justice Center is five days, so that okay. just gives you a variety. Now, there right. are people that you can only be sentenced to the county level for one year, so the most you can be sentenced to is a year. Now, a lot of murder uh, defendants will stay there a year and a half, two years, because they're prolonging the whole trial process. But, right. But it really is, um, I, I can't describe it any other world, way except for it's a world inside of a world. It's completely different. Okay. If you think about it, you drove cars, you, you decided what you're going to wear, where you're going to go, where you're going to eat. This is all these choices have been completely taken away. Yeah. So it's, it's really, so, okay. you have to adjust, you have to adapt to that lifestyle. Now what about, where was the cafeteria at in there? Because I don't believe. I was down on the ground floor, uh, 
they just called it chow, but it was a pretty good size uh, open room. Um, it didn't seem real dirty compared to a lot of the other parts of the prison, although even in the daylight, though, um, I had saw cockroaches around in the cafeteria when you're eating, and I'm pretty... You're a pretty solid stomach kind of guy, but it, it was kind of an eerie feeling to think you're eating and you see a cockroach running across the floor. Or, you know, they would say sometimes there's cockroaches in the food. I never saw that firsthand myself, but... Um, <laughs> so the, the chow hall you know, was down on the ground floor. It was actually kind of nice because you could get out of your six-by-nine. You could, you could get out of your cage and go eat, even though sometimes... You know, every time the doors broke, when they say break, when the doors break, it means they've opened them. Right. Um, every time the doors broke, your heart, you get a little adrenaline rush. almost felt like you snorted some cocaine because your heart would get a... Because you're getting out. For a you're bit. getting out. You're excited to get out. But you're also, there's that, that fear adrenaline has just raised up. It increased a little bit because you're somewhat safe in your cell. Yeah. You know, you have a celly there, but you got to gain control of the cell. That's a whole nother. It's, it's a mind battle. And you were in usually with one other person? Always with one other guy. The, the prison system then and still is so overpopulated, it's unbelievable. But you always had... And when you were the senior guy, especially, like, I had to... When I first got there, I had a celly. I remember him for uh, just less than a month. Um, probably two, three, maybe four weeks. And then he moved on. So I got a new celly. So I was the senior guy. So I had four total sallies while I was there but when they first get there you take charge you say this is my house you're coming into my house this is mine I'm setting the rules you kind of you're very gruff wow so I mean there's some rude things I'm not going to tell you that you say about like yeah. special things there's none of this going on yeah you know, but uh, but the living conditions uh, there it's, in the winter time it was cold in the that's, summertime that's it's very one of the things yeah I was going to ask windows. you so was it I mean, as far as heat, though, during the winter, was it heated in there very well, or was it just cold? Uh, it, it's, it was cold. It was always cold. And it was, had to be just bla- it was, blazing it was hot like in the damp. winter. It always seemed damp. Huh. Almost like a... Because of like the concrete and the steel, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. But during the summer, it had to be just unbearable. It, it, it was terrible. You'd usually, uh, like, take a T-shirt or something. You had a little sink there. You could wet it down. Usually, I'd roll it up and wrap it around my head. Um, I have somewhat of a heat disorder anyways. I can pass out very easy from the heat, so I'd always have to keep myself cooled down. And uh, It's boring in there, so I'd read a lot, write letters, play cards with my Sally, smoke a lot of cigarettes or cigars, and uh, we would make our own. Um, like if you wanted coffee or something, or soup, you would take a pop can, and after the pop's out, you'd fill it up with water. Usually the pop cans that have the little pull tabs mm-hmm. that stay on there. You'd take a pencil, that was kind of like your handle. And then you would take toilet paper and you would, it would take it off the roll, but you wrap it real, real tight. I mean, layer after layer after layer. So tight you have to squeeze your hand out and then you fold the sides in. But then you take a lighter and you light the bottom center. And believe it or not, it doesn't just, like you think toilet paper just. Yeah. It burns slowly. It burns slowly and heats up your water. And they didn't have coffee. any problem with you guys doing that in there? Oh, you weren't supposed to do it, but we would do just about anything. And then you, on the range there, like I said, it was. Four east was a range. Yeah. There's a hundred guys and fifty cells, but you had a range runner, and so you'd yell for him, range runner. You know, sometimes they would bring you hot water, but this is outside of that time that you were. Oh, the range there. runner though was that another, another inmate? inmate? Yeah. Okay. And that's that was his job, and actually he earns. He was kind of. Okay, and so this was in this was in '89, right? It was in '89. And so. Uh, and the, the new Mansi was built in. And uh, completed in '90s when they transferred inmates in there. Right. 
uh, we could see that. So the prison. paint was peeling and stuff horribly in there. Oh yeah, not just paint, but like plaster and stuff was falling off. Yeah. So, and there were times, like I said, that the plumbing didn't work or leaked, and yeah, you could be sitting on the john and somebody flushed the toilet above you on five, and you get some drippage and some stuff on you. So. You always kind of were keyed to the sound of something flushing. So now, what about guards? I mean, were, you, were um, they short on guards? What were guards like? I don't know the, really whether they were short on them, but they were, uh, there were some that were kind of rude. And, but they, they had to put up with a lot of people that yeah. had a lot of strange mentality, and um, they put up with a, with a lot of things. But there were some guards, guards that occasionally would try to get you um, stuck into the into the cage, into the cell doors, almost like it was a game. Oh, really? Like I shared with you the other night, I had uh, Baby New Year. Uh, yeah. One of my cellies, um, he was borderline MRDD, but he got his arm caught in there and it was broke. And I was yelling, and some other guys were yelling down to the CO to stop turning the, the wheel because it's gear-driven. And he just, like, was grinning at me and gave it, like, more of a crank. And I thought, man, that's so rude. Um, but... Yeah, I, I, I can't say as I met a whole lot of nice CEOs in that atmosphere, but, you know, there um, are some decent people. But yeah, most of the time they probably weren't real comfortable with yeah. even working there, even. But, like, think? nah, probably not. It was probably rough. Now, clear up until, so they closed at 90, right? Yeah. They were still bringing people into there, I mean, obviously. They don't have anywhere else to take them. Yeah. Until then, so did you transfer to the new place, or were you out before they transferred? No, I transferred to London. I went to London. Okay. So I moved out of there. So that was so, probably nice compared to... Oh, it was. It was, yeah, it was still a little old and stuff, but it was, you had a lot more freedoms. Um, it just wasn't that maximum security kind of stuff. So, so okay, and then they took us while we were over there into solitary? Into the hole? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you ever meet anybody from there? I mean, obviously the you probably couldn't. Um, when you, I was were in, you ever down in there? Not there, but when I was in London, I was in the hole three times. Okay, but not in Mansfield, right? I was not in that hole. So and I didn't even realize at the time until they told us that they actually had a death row there. Yeah, yep. But then Mansfield. Yep, Lucasville and Mansfield were the two death row penitentiaries in Ohio. Okay, yeah, so, because uh-huh. yeah, they kind of took us through that a and little the nickname, bit. If in, in the incarcerated world, most, most prisons have a nickname or... Uh, abbreviation, but that was, Mansfield was called Mansi. They called that Mansi. Mansi. Okay. Okay. Let's see here. Oh yeah, you talked about the noise in there, twenty-four-seven. Oh, people scream. 20, I mean, they rap, they sing, they scream, they yell at each other. Some people sound like they're being abused. I don't know if they really are, if they're just uh, so didn't sleep. psychotic. A lot of them just don't. No, you you kind of get used to it. That's kind of what you told me earlier. Did I tell you we that? talked the other. Well, no, you told me about being like assertive. You had to take a stance oh, yeah, and did. make people think you were kind of crazy. Right, and you and it's mainly a mental game. I'm not saying that there's not violence there, and people don't do things because they definitely did. Um, and it's, it's the other thing. I had a pastor. Well, I don't know, last year or something. There was a a boy from his congregation that was sentenced to prison. He said, "Will you go talk to him? Give him some advice." I said, "Sure." So I didn't know him. I went and talked to him. And, I gave him a couple key pieces of advice that uh, one is if somebody puts their hands on you, you have to, you have to fight. Um, the pastor came back and said, you know, I didn't, that was terrible Christian advice and how could I do that? And, I, you know, Jesus talks about turning the other cheek. And I just asked him in one question, have you ever been an inmate in prison? 
And the pastor said, no. And I said, well, I'm finished with this conversation. You asked me to give this boy advice. And, you know, several things. I said, don't get in a gang. Don't gamble. Don't go underneath somebody's wing. Don't use racial, racial slurs. Don't stare at people. Look through them. And if somebody puts their hands on you, you got to go off. you got to fight. Win, lose, or draw. They know that you're not going to just give in because then you're going to belong to somebody. And so, anyways, that's a whole other right. story. No, but that's the mentality that you have That there. Makes, makes good sense. All right, and then you talked about Tango and Cash. Oh, yeah. When they came there to film that? Yeah, supposedly Sylvester Stallone and... It was Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell were there on site. Now, I could never see them, but I could... Uh, I did see a crane for a couple of days. Uh, I could see the boom on the crane very visibly, and it had some pipe running across it. And I think it was supposed to be for a rain scene when they were, that's what I was told. But inmates would yell, hey, Rocky, I'm going to kick your, you know, behind. And so they knew they were there. Yeah, but I don't know whether they could see them. There was a lot of the inmates that got to be in that film at a distance, not necessarily like a star-speaking role, but, but yeah. Um, well, because we have a lot of pictures up on site. I'll have to check that out. It was basically from what used to be the library, and there were restrooms off that area. Yeah. And it was kind of like the room where, uh, the admission room where you would go in, yeah. I think, and where they did a lot of the paperwork. I don't know. I'm just thinking. If you look at some of them, I'm, we'll yeah. see if you recognize them. Or oh, yeah, I'm I, sure. Just like when, when I've watched uh, Shawshank Redemption, my wife doesn't like that movie. She doesn't like that whole prison idea, but... But some of the language she doesn't, she's not mm. fond of. But I like to watch that, and it stirs me up. And because I can remember just that visible remembrance, it takes me back there a little bit. So I'm sure. And they filmed uh, portions of Air Force One. Oh, did they? Also within there. there, a couple of prison scenes. Well, actually, several parts of it. They actually built things outside too to make it look like a yeah. Russian oh, yeah? prison. And some of that stuff is still oh. standing. There's some columns and things like that oh, that they built. There was always a myth that, you know, in prison you don't look back. When, you, when you're released, you don't turn around and look. And just knowing that kind of makes you want to do that. It's like, you know, you're a little kid and your mom tells you not to do that. And yeah. You kind of want to do it anyways. But I kept telling my brother, don't look back, don't look back, you know, so. But uh, we never did. We never did look back. But it's also the, uh, there's another myth. They say don't write your name on the wall. Don't write your name, your initials, your slang name or anything. And it, or you're going to come back. And there's a lot of truth to that if you think about it, but it's not necessarily, it's a myth. But if I write my name on a wall somewhere that says Scott was here, Saigon was here, whatever, it's saying I'm proud to be here. So if, if it doesn't really bother you, you're going to tend to more, oh, well, I don't care. I'm going to, you know, whatever happens, happens. And if I go back to prison, I'll go. So I think that's more Oof. what the reality is than the myth. That makes sense. No, and that's the reason, I mean, yeah, when I first talked to you there the other night about doing this I thought I don't I don't want it to be presented as oh hey yeah, it was really cool oh yeah it definitely wasn't cool like right. I said I still have nightmares about that it's nice especially in a, when it's real hot to go and take a shower but you may not you may get one or two showers a week um, otherwise you just kind of what they call a whore bath you just take up you know you're washing it in the I'm sink yeah. Um, but the place where you shower was called the car wash. And what it was, it was a big open concrete floor, and it had plumbing, just straight pipes that ran through it. And so you might have uh, two ranges of guys. You might have 200 guys in there waiting to take a shower, and you're kind of showering, you're kind of washing yourself, and you're also trying to watch your 
even your state boots or whatever. I had shoelaces still out of my boots once when I was in the car wash. They'll steal anything. Why? Why, why, why would they? Um, it's a possession? It's a possession, and, and they want to. It's not something you could readily get. Okay. Shoelaces. Um, also, I want to share one more thing that I did the other night about prison. You don't have a wallet with money, credit cards, a checkbook. So even if you're not a smoker, it's wise to invest in buying cigarettes because cigarettes is like the monetary right. value of trade. So if if I like your tennis shoes and you're in a desperate position, I mean we'll we'll barter, but I'll probably take those shoes with a carton of cigarettes if you're a smoker or if you need more coffee or whatever. So whatever you wanted to buy or trade, use now, cigarettes. Could family members bring you that stuff? Could what, they bring cigarette? you yeah, cigarettes, no, things like they that? They can't bring you anything. Now, they could send in a care box, Okay. but they couldn't bring anything like uh, in person and hand it to you. Okay. Um, but they can occasionally, I think it was two, maybe three times a year, they could send you a care the, box. Now, they did take us into the mail center oh, that they? they had there. Yeah. But they said, I mean, a lot of mail, it was all red. Everything that went out, everything that came in basically yeah. was red, so there was no privacy as That's far right. as no, that went. went. So they probably opened your care boxes to them. And oh, yeah, absolutely. Through. Oh, yeah. So you, I've heard of guys saying, you know, my my mom sent me two boxes of Oreos and I only got one. You know, so some somebody else was hungry. And one of them took. It. You know, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna? <laughs> what are you gonna say about it, right? Okay, and it, let's see. Yeah, that's something else. In '89, I don't know because I don't know where the laws were out then. Uh, they weren't still putting people to death there, were they? Nobody was put to death while I was in there, but there were, you know, obviously still people on death row. Right. But nobody had been executed. Um, in, in that time frame. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's been actually outlawed. Yeah. For several years in Ohio, but I just wasn't yeah. sure. Of course, Still they a lot made, of inmates on death row, but that's... They made a big deal of showing you when you... And there's a picture of it on the website. You'll see oh, it. That, they call uh, it Old Sparky, which everybody called. Yeah. There's Old Sparky. Uh, I, I, that's more, you know, one of those things once again. Right. You know, very intoxicated. Like you said, it's a world within a world. It is. Absolutely. Well, I mean, how many how many inmates were in there when you were there? In, in Mansfield? Give or take, yeah. I'm going to say 1,800. 1,800 to 2,000, maybe. And the warden still lived on the premises, too, at that time? I'm not sure. I never got Okay, because well, you'll see pictures of his yeah. office and, yeah. and stuff like that at the time. Yeah. Um, Hey, yeah, if you listen back to the tours, too, they give some inside yeah. information. I'm I sure. There's, I learned a lot. But they still sure. don't. Uh, that's the reason why I wanted to talk to you, you also. Know, the big checkered floors, were, yeah. were they still there? Oh, yeah. That was kind of a, that's one of the first sights that I saw when I came in that day. That's exactly. That's that reception That's exactly. That's it's the reception area. That's right. That Off of that, there was, well, there was like a, uh, there's a counter there, and uh, I took pictures of them, too. There was an old Sammy Davis record, vinyl record that was busted that was there. Uh, there were newspapers from 1990. Oh, that, really? And then there were just piles of stuff that had just been left, and it it's was trash. there? They just left it there? Yep, it's all still there. I don't know. I think maybe they've left some of it there for the effect. Yeah. But. And also, to kind of piggyback off that comment there from Doug, I think that they basically... You'll, you might have heard this on the tour, or maybe I just picked this up when we were on the tour. It may not have been recorded... But the building was going to be demolished at one point, so I knew that they had left all the paint peeling and all that stuff left up there because no one was going to, no one were going to tear it down. So it didn't matter what the place looked like. 
since then, the place that is doing the tour and uh, is making this more of a historical con- you know, site has been making improvements. They have some improvements to the building uh, that I don't think we've mentioned back on the show before. But you'll find uh, that there are things that they're trying to keep up so that tourists can come through and they can continue to have this as a tourist site. So we hope you really enjoyed that. That is really one of those kind of... Uh, key things that you may not ever get to see or hear in in your lifetime, especially referring to a site like this that's basically public, touring is available, and, you know, it's quite not that often that you get to hear a personal perspective from that. Something I do want to note in, in Scott's life is, while, yes, he did have to serve time for, uh, you know, in prison and different things, he basically turned his life around, and Scott is currently, uh, he headed up the Lookout Ministries Center, and this is a place that basically offers quite a bit of uh, stuff for basically any age. Um, he, they have Friday night movies, they have a after-school program for kids, they have a game room, a fitness room, a thrift shop, mentoring program. Um, there is a whole lot of activities. They're, they're working on a dental clinic, a vision clinic, uh, addiction recovery support services, which of course ties right into Scott's life where he was into drugs, he was dealing drugs, he did all that stuff, and that's basically how he ended up in prison. Um, and the fact that he turned his life around, he feels that he's very fortunate to be alive and have a family and all these things. And so... Uh, this this place is available. It, it This place is actually in Newark, Ohio. The website is lookupcenter.org. You can also call them, 740-345-6026. And the rental space is also available for bridal showers, wedding receptions, birthday parties, anniversary parties, family reunions, or anything like that. So at the current time, it is a part-time um, place for them. They don't use it full-time, so they do need... Uh, places to rent it so that they can make some money to continue to improve it for all the people that come through there. But it's definitely something to look to as Scott's life has turned around. And while the reformatory is a place of historic uh, importance right now, it at one time hosted a lot of bad stuff in the time because it was a jail. So thanks a lot for listening this week. Special shout out to Scott for giving us his time. He's got a family. He's a very busy guy. At the time of the interview, I think he was running on like 28 hours of no sleep. So uh, special thanks to Scott for all your time and commitment to this. And it's a great, great thing what you got going on. And uh, really appreciate the historical aspect on what it was like to actually be in the Mansfield Reformatory. So uh, these next coming weeks, we've got quite a lot planned. Doug will be back in the studio with me next week. And shortly after, Doug will be headed to Disney. So that will be a time where we are going to try some pretty neat things. We're going to try to do uh, not a direct live feed, but almost live feed right from the Disney parks. Doug will be there with his son, Connor, and it will be a fun time. We will continue to talk about some more things we've learned in the past several weeks about Disney and some fun things that you can do. So uh, if you are an avid listener of the show and you enjoy the show, please, the best thing you can do is to pass it on to anyone that you think you want to give it to. Uh, We appreciate the listeners. We do this for free. It's something of fun to do. Uh, Also, special thanks out to DJ Derek for uh, once again providing the music for us, the background techno music that you heard. 
Um, but uh, in reality, we love travel and we love vacations, and we hope that you enjoy our shows that we put out for these things. So thanks again for listening, and we'll hope to see you next week. Thanks. This podcast has been brought to you by theseamazingplaces.com. All rights reserved. This podcast may not be rebroadcast, edited, tweaked, stolen, pitch shifted, published, rewritten, redistributed, or otherwise changed for any reason without prior consent from theseamazingplaces.com. Unless, of course, you don't have an iPod to take with you and you need to burn a CD. After all, These Amazing Places is a 100% nonprofit podcast for anyone who wants to listen. Copyright 2008, 2009, and beyond.